Good morning, y'all. How we doing? Good. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm super excited to have the opportunity this morning to speak. Um, last time, Pastor Jason had me speak up here. He asked me to speak about death. And today, I get to speak about joy. And so I'm super excited to have the opportunity to be up here this morning. Thank you. I want to I start, uh, as we continue our Land of Misfit Toys series, I want to start with a little visualization technique, okay? So picture this. Your name is Daniel O'Connor. Well, you didn't have to laugh. Come on. Your name is Daniel O'Connor. It's January 30th, 2022. And after a lifetime of disappointment, watching your favorite football team lose every single playoff game, they finally have won a couple in a row and are in the AFC Championship game to go to the Super Bowl. You watch as your team goes down 18 points, but you haven't given up hope. They come back from their 18-point deficit, tie the game up, it goes into overtime, and they kick the game-winning field goal to go to the Super Bowl. You jump up from your couch screaming, yeah, yeah, we did it. We're, you're cheering, we're going to the Super Bowl. There's tears streaming down your face. This is the best moment of your life, other than your wedding day. It's the best moment of your life. Only two weeks later, all of your hopes and dreams come crashing down when you lose by three points in the Super Bowl. And there's tears coming from your face, but for a totally different reason. Or maybe your name is Pastor Chuck, and you have to watch the English national team. Team captain with a penalty kick to tie the game, and he blows it over the goal. Too soon, Chuck? Sorry, brother. But the ups and downs of life are something that we all experience. And sports is kind of a superficial example. And as much as it doesn't feel like it in the moment, I have to admit to my wife, Anna, she is right when she says, it's just a game. And it does not feel like just a game in the moment, but it is just a game. But the Word of God tells us that there's a joy that we can experience that's beyond all of that. That's not fleeting, a joy that is consistent, that is life-giving, a joy that does not end. And I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. And I'm going to be honest, I kind of suck at this. You can ask Anna that too. I suck at choosing joy in hard moments. I'm not good at that. She, I would describe myself somewhat as a, a pessimist. It's not like I'm walking around sad all the time, but if I encounter a situation that's particularly stressful or that I don't like, it's just hard in the moment to, to be like, yeah, I'm so happy that this is happening. And I know I can't be alone in this. We all have situations where we experience that, especially this season. It's the Christmas season. It's really busy. Sometimes it's not always a good thing to have our whole family together in one place. Sometimes that's a little bit of a struggle. And then in our situation, we're having a baby soon, January 3rd. So, well, whenever he decides to come. Whenever he decides to come. So, so we're super excited about that. It's great. But it, also, there's so many things that need to be done. And we're over here making Santa look like an absolute chump 
for only checking his list twice because we're going over it a hundred times saying, do we have all the things that we need? And on top of that, we're also moving on January 1st. And so as I'm sure you can imagine, it's a little bit of a stressful season for us. And don't get me wrong, we have felt so incredibly loved and supported by this community. We've got a, a list of people who are ready with trucks and trailers at a moment's notice to move our stuff for us if we end up in the hospital and to help us with that process. And so we feel super, super loved by this community. But I can't be the only one who's been in this stressful state of life before. But let me tell you, God has been using the Christmas story and the story of this woman, Mary, obviously, to teach me a little bit about joy. And one basic truth that we know today is that joy comes from the Lord. Joy comes from the Lord. Ultimately, that is what we're talking about today. 1 Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressibly and glorious joy. Romans 15.13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Nehemiah 8.10 says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when the angel appeared before the shepherds to tell them about the coming of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, the angel said, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So it's pretty clear that our source, source of joy is the Lord. Our source of joy is Jesus. That is where we draw from, from our joy. And we're going to talk about the story of Mary, another misfit, another outcast of Christmas, who experienced joy in the midst of some pretty crazy circumstances. And on surface value, you might be like, oh yeah, she had the opportunity to give birth to the Savior of the world. Like that, obviously, she experienced joy. That's super exciting. But then when we look into the details of what she went through, you might think like, how in the world did Mary react that way? How in the world did she make conscious choices in the middle of those moments that would bring her joy? So that begs the question, how can we experience joy? How can we experience joy? So let's read a little bit, read a little bit of Mary's story, starting in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to visit a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be a very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. 
and it says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So we have this young girl named Mary, this virgin girl, who's engaged to be married to a guy named Joseph. And she becomes pregnant even though she is a virgin. I think it's important for us to look at Mary's mindset when she was first encountered by the angel. It says that Mary was confused and disturbed. That's the place that she's coming from when she's listening to Gabriel tell her that she will conceive and give birth to a son. And she immediately is like, excuse me, Mr. Angel, do you happen to know how babies are made? Because that thing, I've never done that. That's impossible. And she is told that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and the Most High will overshadow her and the baby will be born holy. And now I imagine in Mary's shoes, we would all be kind of confused and probably a bit disturbed as well. But Mary's reaction after she hears everything he has to say is to say, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. She submits to it. And so here lies our first answer to our question, how can we experience joy? Submit ourselves to God. We need to submit ourselves to God. Mary was confused and she was disturbed, but she was immediately able to put into perspective the situation that she was facing. And she submitted it to God saying, I am the Lord's servant. Now, there was probably a million things that were going through Mary's mind in this moment. I'm not married. What are people going to think about me? What is Joseph going to think about me? I'm a young woman. How am I supposed to raise this child? There are so many reasons that she could have chosen a different path. But she made the conscious decision to submit things to the Lord in that moment and in that mental space that she was in. I hate to be the bearer of bad news this morning, but there are times in our lives where we will face things that we do not like. There are times in our lives where we will face things that make us nervous. There are times in our lives where we will face things that make us incredibly anxious. And trust me, I spend time with teenagers every single week and the anxiety that the young people in our community are experiencing is very real. And it is something that all of us, at some point or another, will encounter situations like these. Sometimes we encounter them because we live in a fallen world. But there are times, like in this situation with Mary, where God is actually asking us to step into a situation that we're not comfortable with. And he's asking us to take a step of faith. And I can say with 100% certainty, and there's not very many things I can say with 100% certainty, although if you ask my friends, they'll probably say that every opinion I have, I believe with 100% certainty. But I could say with 100% of certainty, 100% of the time, the correct answer in those moments is to submit to Jesus. We must submit ourselves to Jesus and we must submit our circumstances to Jesus as well. You know that we are not meant to carry all of that stuff on our own. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. During one of our youth nights recently, we talked about that idea how we weren't meant to be the one who keeps it all together. 
Mary wasn't meant to be the one who keeps it all together. Sometimes over the holidays, we feel like we need to be the one who keeps it all together. I don't know about you guys, but I'm one of few Christians in my family. And so when my whole family is together, I feel that pressure to keep it all together. As the Christian, as the believer, I have to watch the things I say and I can't make mistakes. That's the pressure that I feel in those moments. But we are not meant to keep it all together. And so I want to say this morning, let it go. And not like the song from Frozen, great song, but by let it go, I mean lay it at the feet of Jesus. He is the one who is meant to keep that all together. And so let's keep exploring this question of what it means to experience joy and how we can learn from Mary. The second conscious decision that Mary made was to give praise to God. Our second answer is to give praise to God. That is another way to experience joy. If we keep reading in Luke, we get to a section of scripture called the Magnificat, which is basically Mary's song of praise to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to sing it. I should have got Jamie to sing it. Get him to make up a melody or something. That would have been cool. But this is how it goes. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. He has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. And so as we continue our story of looking through the life of Mary, we see that she made a conscious choice to give praise to God, praise for how he notices her, praise for how he has done great things, praise for how he shows mercy. Mary, in the midst of her incredibly messy situation, gave God his due praise. And man, that is not an easy thing to do. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes, almost without noticing, my relationship with God comes, becomes pretty one-sided at times. I find my prayer life becomes a list of requests to God, and my thoughts filter through a lens of what he can do for me. And yes, it's true that God wants to do good things for us. He loves us. But he also wants us to give him praise, to glorify him. When Jesus taught us how to pray, his prayer starts by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thi name. Another translation says, May your name be kept holy. It's a statement of praise and of honor. And Jesus follows that up, of course, with requests, the first of which is for God's will to be done, but also to give us our daily bread, to provide for us. He asks those things, of course. But his first response is to praise his name. And that is hard to do sometimes. When you're staring down the face of a recent diagnosis of you or someone that you love that's not looking so good, 
when you've been praying for your child or grandchild to come to know Jesus for years and it just hasn't happened yet? When you're praying for your child who's having a lot of behavioral struggles for whatever reason and they just keep acting and keep acting in ways that stress you out and that is hard to handle? And the reality of life is that sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes you don't have much to give and you struggle to hold on. And in those seasons, a lot of times, our first thought is not of praise to God. Sometimes it's hard to praise. And if I'm going to be honest, I feel like sometimes in the church, we don't really give people space to struggle with that. We just say, yes, you're supposed to praise God, which is true. But it's not always that easy for everybody. It's not always easy in every situation. And so I think we should do a little bit better of a job of coming alongside those people and helping praise, helping them praise and praising with them and praising on their behalf when they're struggling. When I was in Bible college, I went through a season for the first time in my life of significant spiritual warfare and depression. And I could not do anything. I didn't do chores. I didn't get out of bed. I didn't, I I ate like garbage. I didn't do any of my schoolwork. I just felt like I had nothing to give in that season of life. And the consequences of that decision was I actually ended up getting kicked out of Bible school. I failed out of Bible school for not doing any of my work. And that was the hardest season of my life. And I felt in those moments like I could not praise God. I felt like I couldn't pray. I felt like I couldn't praise him. But in the middle of that season of life, one of the ways that I did spend time with God was through listening to worship music. I don't know if any of you guys also find that a helpful thing in your relationship with God. But I was listening to a particular song, and it's called So Will I by Hillsong United. And there's a line in that that song that says, if the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. And that's in in reference to Luke chapter 19. And in that season of my life, that was all I had to give. Was just sitting in silence. And I know that there's some of you either in this room or online who are in a season like that. Or maybe you know someone who's in a season like that. And I'm just here to tell you that it is okay in those seasons to just start with that. Just sit in silence with God. Sometimes that's what praise can be for us. Excuse me, I never meant to cry today. But maybe in those moments when we're struggling and and we don't feel a sense of joy at all, we need to do something to praise. That could be screaming a worship song at the top of your lungs in your car, or it could be sitting in silence. There's so much freedom that comes from submitting to the Lord And there's so much freedom that comes from praising the Lord. But we've got one more thing that I want to talk about in terms of how we can experience joy that we can learn from Mary. And that is to remember the promises of God. To remember the promises of God. Mary in her song of praise references multiple things that God has done. She says, he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. 
And another aspect of this for Mary is in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, and the angel had said uh, that the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And then verse 19 says, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often, referring to what she had been told by the shepherds. Mary, upon seeing more of the reality of what God was doing and the details of how God was working, it says she remembered those things and thought about them often. Other translations say she treasured them up in her heart. Another one even says she committed these things to memory and meditated on them. And sometimes for us when we're in the thick of life, whether it be a good or a bad situation, it can be easy to not think about how far God has brought us. It could be very easy to think about the present and not where we've come from. And Mary drew upon what God had done in those two ways. She spoke of what God had done in Scripture when she references Abraham, God's promise to Abraham, but also in her personal life when she thanks God and praises him for what he has done for her. And so for us, when we know that our joy comes from the Lord, we should be treasuring up the things of God in our heart and thinking and meditating on them often. I would even go as far as to say we should be committing them to memory. We should be committing them to memory. Think of someone in your life that you would describe as having come a long way. It could be whether... It could be a physical health recovery that's come a long way. It could be a mental health recovery that's come a long way. It could be, like I referenced earlier, a child with behavioral issues who has come a long way in terms of how they are in school or whatever. And just because we would describe someone as having come a long way does not mean that there's still nowhere to go. Everybody still has bad days and In physical recovery, you can regress for a day. In mental health recovery, you can have bad days. And obviously, students with behavioral problems have bad days sometimes. But that does not mean that they haven't come very far. It doesn't mean that good things haven't happened along the journey. And sometimes we can draw joy from looking back on the things that God has done in our lives. This week at youth group, Uh, this past Wednesday, I felt like God was telling me to change up our youth group plan that we had. And so I did that, and I came up here in front of the stage, and I just asked the students, like, do you guys know the Christmas story? And I had them come up and and interview style, kind of tell the Christmas story in bits and pieces, and other students came up and filled in details that were missed. And uh, obviously they're teenagers. Some of them were goofy. Um... One student tried to tell the Christmas story of the, a Christmas story, you know, when he tries to buy a BB gun. And, <laughs> and I was like, you'll shoot your eye out. But no, wrong Christmas story. But we got there. The whole Christmas story was told. And then I just asked them in the midst of that, you know, this, this story tells us that Jesus shows up in our messy situations. 
And so I asked, I said, hey, guys, do, you, do any of you have a story where Jesus showed up in a messy situation for you? And I swear, like 15 of the students raised their hand all at once. And they were, like, fighting over who's going to tell their Jesus story first. We had stories like Mia shared where her family was quite literally stranded in another country. And Jesus provided a way for them to get home. We have students who were dealing with loneliness in school and had no friends, and Jesus provided them friends. Students who have been torn from their families, who have found a community here at this church to love and who loves them. And let me tell you, the sense of God-given joy in that room on Wednesday night, in this room on Wednesday night, was tangible. You can ask, you can ask Pastor Chuck. I, he, I saw him standing at the back for part of it. It was a tangible sense that God is doing these things in people's lives and it brought us all joy. And do you think that the God who has done those things in the Bible and the God who's doing those things in our students' lives right here in our community, do you think that he's not going to do that again? Do you think that God can't do those things for you? God promises deliverance. He promises freedom. He promises joy. He's the giver of all good things. And treasuring those realities in your heart and thinking of them often is a great example that Mary gave us to follow. Joy comes from Jesus. And so we should submit ourselves and submit our circumstances to him. Joy comes from Jesus. And so we should give our praise to him. And joy comes from Jesus and so we should remember the promises that he has made and remember the things that he has done. And so as I wrap up my answer to this question, I want to ask us a question today. And that question is, what step do you need to take? What step do you need to take this morning? Maybe you're at your wit's end in a situation at work or in a relationship or even in your own life in a circumstance related to only you, that only you know. And maybe you need to submit control of that situation to Jesus. Maybe you trying to carry the weight of that situation on your own is not the answer. Or maybe you're finding yourself each day in your prayer life presenting your Christmas wish list of prayer requests to God, like I have found myself in. And maybe you need to take a step towards praise. And that could look like listening to worship music. That could look like reading your Bible. That could look like uh, pr prayer, private prayer. That could look like sitting in silence in the presence of God. Or maybe you feel like God isn't coming through for you, or you doubt that he can. Maybe you need to take a step of committing some things to memory that God has done that you can fall back on. That could be through reading the word. That could be through writing down some of the ways God has come through for you personally or someone you know. Or maybe if you haven't experienced any of that at all, whether in person or online, 
and you don't know anybody who's experienced anything of that at all, and you've never read the Bible, so you've never heard any of those stories at all, then I would highly encourage you to register for one of our Christmas Eve services. And come on Saturday and hear Pastor Jason talk about one of the greatest days in human history where Jesus, the Savior of the world, was born. And at that time, you can commit to memory that Jesus came for you. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful this morning for the joy that you give to us, the joy that doesn't end, the joy that outlasts, the joy that is not based on our circumstances. And I pray this morning as we think upon what step it is that we have to take towards joy in this season, whether it's submitting to you, whether it's giving you your due praise and placing you in the throne of our lives, or maybe it's committing to memory some of the things that you have done in our lives already, remembering how far we've come and remembering the things that you have done in and through us and in this community. Father, I pray as we prepare to celebrate the holidays and and gather our family, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, God, I pray joy over each family and each household. I pray that your presence would be evident in each home over these holidays. And God, I pray that you would use the Christian family members in these families to reach the non-Christian family members. God, we believe that by expressing a joy that only you can give, that people will come to know you. And so that's our prayer over this Christmas season, that people will see the joy that we have and want to follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.